season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Texas native, artillery outfielder, and left-handed pitcher. We got 2025 Tennessee commit. We got Taylor Tracy on the JKR Podcast for the Artillery Baseball Series powered by HitRx for the 2025 Spotlight. Taylor, how are you doing today? You know, pumped to get you on the show. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. So, you know, you you are in the middle of your baseball season right now. Obviously, a lot of guys I'm interviewing right now, you know, haven't started their season. But with you down there in Texas, you know, you've already got that role in a couple games in. But, you know, before we dig into your baseball career, your recruiting process, stuff like that, I do have one question I'd like to start off with everybody that gets on the J.K.R. podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Taylor Tracy? Uh, well, yep. As you said, I'm Taylor Tracy, uh, committed to Tennessee for baseball. I play outfield pitcher and, uh, I'm committed as a two way. I, uh, you know, pretty outgoing, like to, you know, do a lot of outdoor stuff, you know, baseball, golf, fish, hunt, all that. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say. Okay, so let's kind of dig into your high school career here, here a little bit first to start out. You know, down there in Texas, like we said, you know, you guys are starting a little bit earlier. Kind of take us, you know, what last season was like, you know, as a freshman, you know, what that competition level was like, you know, how the whole season ended up, you know, wrapping up. And then, you know, heading into this year as well, maybe what the outlook is um, for your 2023 spring. Uh, freshman year was very humbling. It was uh, it was an awesome experience. You know, I started off extremely hot. Um, I actually ended up ending up uh, uh, getting an injury like middle of the season. So I got to learn how to battle back from that. And I came back, you know, started off strong after uh, that injury too. And uh, it was just, it was an awesome experience learning how to play with dudes that are older and more mature than me and just scrap it out, play as hard as I can uh, and just find ways to be the best player I can and totally ignore, uh, you know, whatever, how old they are, what year in high school they are. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely an awesome year for me. And being able to do it both ways to impact my team was awesome because, uh, you know, it just kickstarts off, kicks off this, uh, kicks off this year, right? You know, just making me one of the leaders of the team 
so that can hopefully lead us to deep in the playoffs this year. So digging into this spring, you know, you said you did mention that you guys have already played a couple games. Kind of take us, you know, what maybe what some of the goals are, the outlook on the team, uh, maybe some guys to be on the lookout for besides yourself. You know, kind of give that rundown, you know, on your high school team for the spring. Uh, yeah, we got uh, me and then we got a Texas commit that's also 25, Cooper Rummel. Uh, he's a dog. And then we got uh, Mason Ashlock. He's a 23 who's very under the radar right now. I feel like he's a dude that he just was kind of a late bloomer, you know, didn't put on like 25, 30 pounds in the off season. Got an exit velo of like 103 plus. Uh, he's a, like a real good first baseman. He's a the real like heart of our order right now. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely like one of the one of our guys that we can rely on to, you know, get solid contact uh, year round for our lineup. And then, uh, yeah, me and Cooper Rummel in the rotation is going to be pretty deadly this year for uh, our pitching staff. So down there in Texas, I know you did mention that you guys have tournament play starting here. What? your next game and you guys have district play after, you know, I know Texas is a little bit different when it comes to, you know, the formatting of your guys' spring schedule, but kind of take us through, you know, what that spring schedule kind of looks like for, you know, this spring and just at high school in general looks like. Yeah. It, Texas does it kind of weird. They do it to where you have like a tournament on a weekend and then you got a Tuesday district game and then you've got a tournament. And even in the middle of that tournament, they'll do a Friday district game so they schedule it kind of weird. So we'll have three tournaments that kind of stretch out to the end of March. And then we'll have district play starting uh, like starting the third. And, uh, yeah, we'll, then we'll play that out. And it's, so it kind of overlaps tournament and district play. So with that stuff overlapping, do you ever kind of find it difficult to, fo- like, kind of follow the schedule on the day-to-day? Or for the most part, do they make it somewhat easy for you guys? Uh, the coaches are very good at just letting us go out there and play. You know, uh, practices are very, you know, just getting ready for, you know, what opponents we're playing. And, you know, we know what type of baseball that people are going to come at us with, you know, make sure that we know how to send bunts, uh, first and third situations. A lot of the small ball stuff, make sure that we know how to cover that stuff because we feel like that was a weak point for us last year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with the with the thick schedule, our coaches are very good at just letting us go out there and play the game we know how to play and then we've been playing for a long time. Yeah. So let's kind of go through what the game day routine kind of looks like. I know down there in Texas, you guys have an academic period for the most, I know most high schools do. Um, So for you kind of, what does that game day schedule routine kind of look like? You know, maybe going to class, you know, having that academic period, potentially going back to class and then the game. What does that kind of look like for you on, on that game day routine level? Yeah. So game days, obviously, you know, you get up and you're anxious for it. You know, you go to school, you get to class, you're all dressed out, you know, khakis, polo, all that. And uh, pretty much after our, we have block scheduling. So after our third period, we'll go up to the field, uh, get our stuff ready for home games. We'll usually wait and we'll take BP first and then let the opposing team come on. And we'll usually play our district games around like seven o'clock. But uh, for away games, we usually just hustle up to the locker room, grab our stuff, leave, hit BP at the uh, opposing team's field. And then uh, usually we kick it off right after BP for away games. Uh, yeah. So as you were kind of talking about, you know, your guys' 2023 roster, I mean, you brought up, you know, you have another 2025 Texas commit. You have a guy who is consistently hit, hit, having exit velo, you know, 103 plus. You know, is that common in your guys' area? Like, what does that Texas competition level look like from your region where you're at in the state? 
So the Central Texas talent is definitely very strong. Usually the like the three areas with the most concentrated talent in Texas are, you know, DFW area, Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, you got the outskirts of Dallas, like, you know, Prosper, uh, South Lake, all those places. And then Texas, you got Austin, Dripping Springs, Round Rock. Obviously, Round Rock, you know, as Travis Sakura. Uh, and then we got a few other 2025 commits, like in the local area. Like Ed Small for Anderson, uh, there uh, Clayton Nampkin for uh, New Braunfels. New Braunfels is about an hour from here, and then you know Case and Cunningham, San Antonio area as well. So Austin, San Antonio area is pretty packed. And then um, you know besides that, then we got Houston. Houston's got some good talent, but I think Austin is uh, one of the more tightly packed, you know, concentrations of talent. Just because every high school team you're playing. You're most likely, if you're facing their good arm, you'll be facing 91 with a good breaking ball and a solid changeup. So before we kind of dig into your travel baseball career as well, you know, with you being, you know, still an underclassman down there in Texas, what do you think is tougher when you are playing, you know, high school baseball, you know, facing up against the Travis Sikoras of the world, guys who are, you know, a couple years older, 17, 18 years old, or, you know, when you're facing travel baseball teams, or, you know, they are your age, but they are that top tier talent, you know, is there maybe a mind shift change there? What does that kind of look like? And what would be tougher, you know, high school ball, facing the older kids or travel baseball facing your same age group? So I'd say on a daily basis, probably travel ball, just because you see a lot. I feel like I see better breaking balls in travel ball. And, uh, you know, most most of the fastballs got some good run on it. I mean, it was playing with artillery, having us, you know, having that target on our back of number one in the nation. We usually see everybody's top arm. So I've been seeing – you know, the top arms for the last few months with our as, since I've joined AJ with artillery. But uh, pitching for high school is definitely also a little bit easier just because you have you don't have a consistent lineup of dudes. A lot of times in the summer, if you're playing a powerhouse like Canes Prime, East Cobb, you know, those sorts of teams, uh, you'll have, you know, one through nine is, uh, you know, power five baseball players. So they're they're tougher to pitch to. But, I mean, pitching is pretty close. As a, on a hitting standpoint, you'll face some uh, similarities for summer ball and high school ball in Texas. Yeah. So you talk about how you just joined Ajay and Artillery. Kind of take us through your travel baseball background, you know, maybe who you played with before Artillery, and then how you kind of got connected with Ajay and his team and has started playing for him. Yeah, so I was actually, you know, I played with, you know, kind of my summer ball you know, I wouldn't even say career, just my summer ball kick-started with the drillers pretty much in 12U, 13U. Went into, like, 14U season, and I didn't – I was, wasn't hitting very well. It was kind of, like, kind of kept carrying on. And then beginning of the 15U season, I was like, all right, I want to be a two-way. I know I can hit. But all these coaches were telling me, hey, we need you on our team as a pitcher, as a P.O., pitcher only at 14 I was like no so I went and joined Banditos he was uh Ken was the coach he was Ken Cranbuehl he was awesome really is uh the real reason I'm a two-way right now he was the only dude that believed me that I could hit so I got on there found the stick and uh started swinging it and uh you know after that I wanted to move up I wanted to be on a team with a target on my back and Ajay's connections with Tennessee have been amazing for me um you know, just getting me like letting me know like if that's a good that's a good school for me. 
you know, he has a pipeline of a lot of players going into Tennessee. I think Ajay was just an amazing resource for me to play the best competition while also, you know, having that guy to go to if I ever do go to ten if I do go to Tennessee and, you know, I need somebody that, you know, knows the coaches around me and knows the guys around me that can help me out. So getting that chance to play with Ajay now here for a little bit, you know, what is that relationship you have with him? You know, maybe some other guys in that artillery coaching staff kind of take us through, you know, how those relationships kind of got started and how they evolved, you know, now that you've got the chance to play with artillery for a little bit. Um, I think Ajay is amazing. You know, he's sometimes you're around him and you kind of forget he's the coach, you know, until you're playing bad and he, you know, jumps you. But Ajay has made an awesome relationship with like all of our, all of us on the team. I know Ajay's a dude I can always text with, you know, if I ever need anything. But um, I know for sure Ajay has, takes a lot of value in his relationships with players, like on and off the field. Yeah. So, so getting the chance to play for, you know, two very, very talented travel baseball organizations in artillery and then the Banditos as well. You know, what would be some comparisons, maybe some differences that you have that you've seen just being insiders of both programs um, of the Banditos and the artillery baseball program as well? Well, the big, I mean, the biggest comparison was Banditos was a West Coast coaching style and uh, artillery was, is an East Coast. So I know, you know, it, it was amazing having being able to play both playing styles of baseball so that I know, you know, like all around how to play small ball, how to, you know, how to take aggressive approaches, you know, you kind of mix it up and you play your game as I've been coached by both different types of coaches. If that makes any sense. You just combine it, you know, take little bits and pieces from what each coach tells you. And uh, I feel like it's made me a more well-rounded player but I know, you know, Bandidos was more small ball and stealing and situational stuff. I know Ajay's a lot of the same stuff, but he's a lot more uh, like let me swing away, 3-0 count. He's telling me to swing to the fence. Uh, like even that all fastball count, swing it, swing as hard as you can. Uh, we're going doubles in the gaps. And, you know, if I'm in a tight situation, he, I know Ajay always lets me swing it. Yeah. So what exactly – you mentioned West Coast coaching style and East Coast coaching style – um where like I guess I've never really heard of that term before I'm from the Midwest I mean I guess I've never heard of East Coast compared to West Coast I guess what is that comparison I know you said Ajay lets you hit off you know 3-0 counts but besides that you know what what is that difference in between both those coaching styles I feel like I've noticed West Coast uh West Coast a lot more scrappy baseball you know every time I feel like I every time I face a team from California they're scrappy they play really good small ball they're all, you know, quick. They know how to bunt. They know how to move runners over. And, uh, you know, their pitchers know how to spot halves of the plate. They know how to change speeds, change eye levels. They're very mechanically sound. As in, I feel like East Coast coaching style, like I know Ajay and Pat being from Jersey, they, you know, they're very loose. They let us play. They let us do our thing. Uh, I mean, I Ajay does, you know, whip out a bunt sign every once in a while if we really need it. But, um, like, he'll, I mean, West Coast, sometimes you'll run into a leadoff batter, just leads off an inning and bunts it down the third baseline and beats it out because he's that fast. Like, I feel like Ajay, you know, wants us to swing it, wants us to get in our groove to play, uh, you know, just drive balls gap to gap. 
So even with that West Coast coaching style and that East Coast coaching style with Ajay, you know, both the Banditos and Artillery have done, you know, great jobs to, you know, just leading their organizations, obviously with your guys' class being the number one team in the nation. But with you being an insider of both programs, what do you think has led to the success of Ajay and Artillery and the success of the Banditos as well? Um, I think it's just, you know, bringing in uh, – you know, dudes, I know AJ is definitely, I mean, he's had the most success. He's, uh, you know, number one team in the country speaks for itself. Uh, you know, all those tournaments he's won, the squad he's put together is uh, insanely impressive, in my opinion. Um, and I just, I mean, on artillery, you know, the truth of the matter is our whole pitching staff is power five and our whole starting nine is committed D1 power five as well. So, I mean, we just put flat out, really good players on the field and once you get us a few games together and we get that chemistry uh definitely we're a really really tough team to beat and we have all guys on the field you know working together so with that 2025 team being the number one ranked team in the country when did you maybe play your first game on that 2025 team when did you switch to artillery and you talk about building that chemistry so when was the, when, when did it all to kind of take place and kind of take us through that culture of that 2025 team, I know talking to Ajay, he talks about how that 2025 culture is just different. And whatever way it is, it's different. So kind of take us through that 25 culture and, you know, how you kind of built that chemistry, you know, over, you know, just a couple different games playing with the same guys on that 25 art artillery team. Yeah, so it was, um, you know, summer 15U and I was, uh, I was at the beginning of the summer, actually, just finishing up high school season and we were like, man, who's this guy hitting us up? Ajay for artillery. But we heard they were pretty good. So we went down to Cary, North Carolina with them for the USAA championships. And I got there and all the dudes were super nice, obviously. Ajay was awesome. Pat was awesome. But, uh, you know, I wasn't like, you know, I was like, all right, you know, it was a cool team. And first day I hit like crap. I could not hit it. I mean, I just wasn't seeing it well, I guess. I don't know. And, you know, I caught, like, one fister that barely made it to the outfield. And I was like, dang, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if this dude's going to buy into me. Second day, he tells me, he's like, all right, I'm keeping you in the lineup. I'm trusting you. Like, get a barrel today. And I go up there, and I catch, I, I think I went two for three with a triple and a double. And uh, we ended up walking it off against TBT in, like, a super tight game. And uh, made a sweet play from the outfield. And that's uh, AJ, you know, I was – really glad that he's a dude that really buys into players because he knows, you know, how big their ceiling, how high their ceiling is. You know, he won't, he's not a dude that's going to pull you after you have one bad game. You know, he's going to let you work it out. You mentioned that roster for this artillery team. You know, you talk about one through nine, bunch of power five commits, same thing with, with the rotation as well. You know, besides yourself, you know, take us through what this roster for this 2025 artillery team kind of looks like heading into the summer. You know, besides yourself, maybe who are a couple guys to be on the lookout for, maybe some guys you've built some pretty close relationship with, you know, kind of take us through this 2025 artillery roster. So, yeah, we got our pitching staff is, you know, really stacked right now. We got Graham Jones, Tennessee commit, Jackson Garland, UVA, Corey Sheridan, NC State, you know, just true, I mean, 88, 90 arms with good off-speed, good change-ups, like just true pitchers that can really get us through, you know, big games, you know, dudes that can really step up. And then we got me and Ty, Ty Thompson, Tennessee commit, coming in for relief. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a really deadly just five right there. And then we got, you know, obviously other dudes like Caden Hathaway, 
another UVA guy. And, uh, yeah, I think that's really like, you know, that's the heart of our pitching order right there. And then for batting order, I feel like me and Ty, me, Ty, and uh, Nikki Becker, another UVA, also get, uh, you know, we feel like we uh, put a little bit into the heart of the order. You know, we uh, usually like me, Ty, and Nikki are all hitting good. Then the lineup is flowing well. Caden's uh, also a good hitter. We got, uh, we got, yeah, we got a lot of guys. Thomas O'Connell, um, Ben Peterson, you know, a lot of dudes that are uh, can really swing it this year. So with you being around all these players of your caliber, all guys who are, you know, either, like I said, future teammates, other power five commits, you know, with you going and just being around these type of guys who are your same caliber, how do you maybe, you know, pick the brains of some of these other guys, some of these peers, maybe see the way that they kind of go about their business, whether that's, you know, a bullpen on the pitching side or go through a round of BP on the hitting side, you know, how do you maybe watch some of your peers, maybe pick their brain just to maybe gain a little bit of knowledge when it comes to all these different guys? Um, that you're playing with yeah I know I can always go to any of the guys for anything if I ever need you know like in between outings you know if my changeup didn't feel very good in the last outing you know I could go up to Ethan I know Ethan's got it turns over a pretty solid changeup you know I'll be like hey man how you give your changeup how are you pronating you know how are you throwing it is there any little cues that you have on it or even like approach you know I know uh, I always notice Mason Bull has on our team has a really good approach you know he likes you know, uh, always sits fastball away, takes away the fastball away. And if the ball comes in, you know, he can turn on it, and he's a very adjustable hitter. So, uh, yeah, I can, I know I can talk to all of them if I'm ever in any sort of funk on the mound or at the plate, you know, about uh, what they do and just pick their brains. And that that's for sure a big advantage on being on a team like Artillery with so many talented players. So with a lot of these artillery teammates, you know, being from the Northeast, you know, Ty Thompson being from Missouri, I know there's a couple guys from Georgia as well. When you go and you start playing tournaments with some of these artillery teammates, is there any, you know, maybe culture shock in a way, um, you know, Texas, you know, being away from where the rest of your teammates are at, what does that kind of look like when you go and maybe, you know, some of these guys aren't from the same area as you? Yeah, um, I mean, by no means do we ride on horses to school at Texas, but, you know, I for sure know – like, uh, I'm, I say y'all around them a lot. Like, I'm like, hey, y'all want to go get some food? And they'll be like, y'all? You say y'all? And they – so the language, I guess, a little bit different, the slang. And then uh, I, I heard the guys talking about, like, academies for sports the other day. Like, I like that IMG Academy and all that stuff, you know, there's not really any of those out in Texas. It's just, you know, you got powerhouse public schools like, you know, Duncanville, South Lake, like all those – all those public schools draw on so much talent. A lot of times there's not need for an academy. But, um, yeah, the culture changes. I mean, a lot of the dudes that are live in the Northeast have no – they don't have a pair of jeans or boots, I guess. Like, besides that, it's not that – you know, it's not too different. But there is definitely some some, uh, some barrier in there between cultures. Yeah, I was a little curious, you know, with the majority of that team being from the Northeast. But, no, so, you know, as you're looking back into your travel baseball career, whether that's playing for the Banditos down there in Texas or you're playing for artillery, if you could pick, you know, maybe two to three different memories that just come to mind when you think of your travel baseball career, what would a couple of those favorite memories be? You know, whether that's doing something cool on the field with that walk-off or maybe messing around with, you know, Pickle Rick um, from what some of those guys were telling me about earlier uh, just kind of take us through maybe those couple favorite memories you got, you know, playing travel baseball so far. Yeah, that whole sophomore 
uh, Worldwood Bat in the fall was just a blast with Pickle Rick. I mean, we got in a funk and threw away our old mascot. And me and my me and Jackson and Corey and Ethan had all been at Dave and Buster's for about you know twelve hours combined in the last two days. So we ended up buying a Pickle Rick from Dave and Buster's, and we had to throw away our old uh, you know stuffed mascot because we were in a slump. So we adopted pickle rick and we ended up coming back down like six in the last inning or something so we ended up keeping pickle rick and funny thing is pickle rick actually stayed in fort myers after the hurricane came and wiped out like everything there and survived somehow so he's coming back for next summer then too oh pickle rick's back no he's coming back for sure all right. So you know, as you guys head into this 2023 season, you know, going in as the number one ranked team in that 2025 class, just what are you looking forward to most of, you know, maybe defending that number one spot going, you know, going in and you know, just dominating some other teams. What are you looking forward to most for this 2023 summer, but then even beyond that to your 2024 summer final year of travel baseball, just what are you looking forward to most for these next two years of travel ball? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to, you know, getting out there, getting, you know, the best hacks, the best, you know, pitches that I can throw, best hacks that I can swing at balls, you know, in front of, you know, whoever it is. You know, I don't really play to uh, to the crowd. I play just play as hard as I can on the field, and I'm looking for uh, definitely defending that number one spot this year, you know, hopefully catching a title at either WWBA, PG World Series, either, you know, carry – you know, one of those big tournaments that, you know, you can really hang your hat on and say we had to beat some real, real good teams to get here and win this trophy. So uh, that's definitely the goal for this year is just to, you know, get this team, you know, another ring, another ring like we did in the fall. So, you know, beyond playing for artillery and just playing for on the team perspective of travel baseball, you got that chance to play in area code. So kind of take us through what the area code experience was like, what the day to day, what the atmosphere kind of was like. Just kind of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, area code was was awesome. I mean, I couldn't draw up a better event as in looking for just raw talent. You know, the ceiling on a lot of the kids that I saw there was just unreal. You know, obviously, I mean, I went I went there, I pitched pretty well, but I saw some I mean, I saw some other dudes where I was like, "Dang, that's like it's awesome to know that I am at that level um with even dudes that are a year older than me and at, still at the top of their class and knowing that I can still compete." with dudes that are, you know, at the top, you know, at the top of their class, even if it's an age above me. Uh, and I thought it was awesome. You know, San Diego, the weather was amazing. I mean, you couldn't draw up a better environment for baseball. You know, SDU was an amazing field. You know, they were awesome for hosting that. And uh, it was just an amazing weekend to do it. And I thought it was awesome. I thought it was one of the best baseball experiences I've had yet. So, you know, getting the chance to play in that area code, playing in all these big time, you know, WWBAs, USA baseball tournament, you know, all these different you know places across the country. You know, if you could maybe look into, you know, on both side of things. So when you're on the mound and when you're in the batter's box, who have been maybe the toughest guys to face, um, you know, on the mound in the batter's box? What does that kind of look like? Do you kind of have it just that you're just remember maybe your toughest ABs that you've had to have so far in your career? Hmm. So it's a good question. Um, I remember, I remember definitely one of the toughest pitchers that I've faced. The hardest fastball I saw was actually from Omar Cerna was like 92 on my hands at a, it was at the sophomore showcase. 
and that was tough. That was a tough one for sure. And then uh, I've seen, you know, a few like 91s, I guess, with good curveballs. You know, CBU had a good guy in the fall. I mean, we still hit him decent, though. I wouldn't say there's a dude that artillery would totally be shut down by. I mean, last year they got shut down by Canes, but – I mean, I, I, that's just from what I've heard. I know I know, Canes and all that has some guys yet. I'm still waiting to face, you know, like a Canes with artillery. I actually haven't faced Canes with artillery yet, which is what we're, we're looking forward to that this year. But for sure, the, you know, Louisiana Knights have a lot of scrappy hitters. I know I pitched that game. I pitched pretty well, but I know they put a lot of, together a lot of scrappy at-bats, you know, worked my pitch count up. And, um, you know, def, that team, def, BPA – was a very solid hitting team. That team really can swing it. They're packed with talent. That's just another California team that's just scrappy. You know, they'll they'll bunch you to death, and then dude will turn around and drop one 400 feet. So you never really know what's coming. It's tough. That's definitely a tough team to pitch to because, you know, a missed pitch could end pretty badly. So as you talk about, you know, when you're playing for artillery, I guess even in high school ball as well, you know, you are you play in the field and hitting, but you also are pitching. I know we did talk about this before we started recording. You know, what is this plan here these next couple of years, you know, going to Tennessee? Just where's your mindset at right now when it comes to, you know, potentially playing at that next level position wise? Um, You know, just get my swing ready for the, you know, highest pitching I can right now. I'm just trying to hit good. Next game, you know, I'm, you're only as good as your next game, your next outing, your next A.B. So I just try to take it – I try to take it slow, take a big picture. You know, pitching, I'm trying not to throw 100 pitches a game, you know, keep my arm in shape, you know, take care of my body as best that I can and make sure to, you know, train my eyes to see that next level pitching. I know last year we had a lot of – we had um, a dude to A&M – you'd always throw to me. That's the, always an image I have in my mind. You know, he's like 92, 93 from the left side was run, had like an 88 mile an hour cutter, like an 80 mile an hour slider. And I was like, you know what, this is perfect because this is what trains me for the next level. And I make sure to, whenever I face a good pitcher, you know, memorize it, always see it in my head and know what, that's what's coming, you know, at the next level. And even with hitters, you know, mixing pitches, mixing uh, speeds, looks, you know, eye levels, uh, pick all like all the small stuff that I know is gonna you know the small stuff is what translates uh, the most to the next level for sure between high school and college. Yeah. So, you know, starting off with this pitching side of things, kind of take us through. You know, obviously arm care is important. You talk about you know how you don't try to throw hundred pitches in an outing. Take us through you know what this arm care routine kind of is for you. You know, in the off season with that deload, with that ramp up stage, and then even in the in season right now where you guys are at now, what that looks like from you know one outing to the next and the days in between? I know this is a two-part of a question, but just kind of, you know, take us through the off-season and the in-season arm care. You know, off-season, I, uh, I definitely prioritize the weight room a lot. You know, tried to, I put on a few pounds and, you know, arm care, I really didn't throw. I didn't throw in the fall. I didn't pitch. But uh, I, I, unless it was like an inning, I think we, they needed me for like one inning in a game. And I just came in there and just chucked it. But, you know, arm care is always – I'm a big active recovery guy, like, you know, uh, bike, running after I pitch, you know, get the blood flowing. I like myself, like a good ice bath, you know, get in the hot tub after, you know, just get get the blood, thro- blood flowing through your body. And uh, 
I've never been the biggest on long toss. I know the long toss theory is, you know, different for everybody. I'm a like, you know, I like pull downs a lot, getting into season, getting my arm ramped up. You know, I'm a lot bigger on the the pull downs, you know, keeping that ball, you know, on on plane with how I would be throwing it on the mound. But, uh, you know, I feel like it's the same difference, really, just getting your arm back in shape uh, for the end season. Then end season, you know, I'm throwing on Tuesdays. And uh, after Tuesdays, you know, we just got our throwing program for high school. I'll be throwing, you know, moderately throughout the week. We'll also playing the uh, playing outfield. So I'll be throwing a little bit out there. So when you are on the mound, kind of take us through, you know, what that pitching repertoire does look like. So maybe what, what different fastball you're throwing, your best secondary pitch, maybe the pitch that needs the most work. Just kind of take us through, you know, when you are up on that mound, you know, those different pitches that you're throwing at guys. Uh, when I get on the mound, you know, I like to go at guys with fastballs. I like to challenge them. You know, my fastball is definitely best known for having a lot of run on it. It's tight, and it's got a lot of run. It's probably close to 10, 10 inches on it at 88. So I like to challenge guys. If they prove they can hit my fastball, I'll usually flip them either a sinker or a slider. Sinker is a new pitch that I just added right before area code. Um, it's been my bread and butter ever since. I mean, it was on at area code is what helped me you know, get as many strikeouts as I did. It's a real swing and miss pitch. It looks exactly like a fastball out of my hand. Um, I really like throwing that. I like coming back to the slider after that pitch, too. I think it's a really good combo. Um, I think my slider is definitely my bread and butter for a, for a strikeout. You know, a lot of strikeouts. I get guys down the count. You know, I like to flip over my slider. I think it's pretty good. It's got a lot of break on it. And uh, I usually just, but you know, starting guys off, I like to challenge them, be like, all right, Here's a fastball. Prove you can hit it to me first before I start, you know, dinking around with off speed. So flipping it to the hitting side of things here real quick, kind of take us through, you know, what the hitting approach is. So let's say, you know, you're on the on-deck circle, walking up to the batter's box. You know, what's going through your mind? What are you trying to do with each at-bat? Um, take away fastball away. Definitely, you know, kicking it off. I'm not going to let a pitcher beat me on the outside corner. I'm not going to let a dude just spot that and, you know, have the upper hand on me that way. I'm going to take that away. If you have the accuracy to spot me inside, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll give you that. But, uh, you know, that's usually my first A-B uh, approach most of the time. Usually I'll, you know, I'll adjust it throughout the game. If a pitcher's flipping a lot of curveballs and I, you know, for a few at-bats, I've seen first pitch curveball and I've seen a lot of them, you know, I could sit curveball. I, you know, sitting on a curveball makes it a lot more easy to hit. So I'll usually, you know, just adjust on what the pitcher's doing on deck and in the dugout, I like to look at his patterns, see, you know, where does, what pitches does he go to in these certain counts. And uh, I think that really, you know, when you know what pitch is coming, it's a lot easier to hit for sure. And that's, that's why I take a lot of pride in my approaches and I put a lot of effort into, you know, it, uh, paying attention to every, every little thing the pitcher does. Yeah. So are you a big two strike approach type of guy or for the most part, do you kind of, you know, go with the flow, maybe see, you know, if the pitcher's thrown a certain way, do you kind of just stick with the same approach throughout the entire at bat? Like where's your mindset on two strike approach? Uh, two strike approach, you know, I'm a, I like it, you know, getting into two strikes. I usually, you know, I might widen the stance a little bit. I might choke up a little bit depending on how hard the guy's throwing. Um, Depending on how hard he's throwing, you know, I could sit off speed if I know I have enough time to react to the fastball if it's not that hard. And if he's, you know, pumping pretty hard fastball, I might sit fastball and just react to the off speed. You know, most importantly, I just try to get that release point, see it out of his hand as early as I can. And, uh, you know, the early pick up pitch, 
you know, the more time you have to see it, more time you have to react. But I know I usually don't try to get into two strike counts because I, I have a big swing first. If I get first pitch fastball, rarely will you see me not swing at it. I usually I'm a big I, I like to be aggressive early in the count. That's when pitchers like to, you know, just try to get ahead. When a pitcher just tries to get ahead, they have a tendency to leave fastballs, you know, maybe a little bit missed by. They could leave a little bit over the middle. And that's, you know, a lot of times if you only get two, three good pitches to hit in that bat, that's going to be the best one. Yeah. So looking at your game's entirety, you know, when you're on the mound, you know, you're hitting, you're playing the field as well. If you were a scout, you know, watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? Um, I'd say I'm definitely twitchy and athletic. I like, uh, you know, I run the bases hard. I play the outfield hard. I like, um, I'm fast for my height. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, a lot of run on my fastball, electric arm, you know, have a lot of, a lot of arm side break on the mound on a lot of pitch. I have, you know, I have three pitches that break arm side and then my slider, uh, at the plate, pretty fast hands, um, I like to stay on top of the ball. Rarely will I ever, you know, roll over. I like to keep backspin, you know, driving balls in the gaps. And, you know, if I catch a little bit out in front, maybe I can lift it, hit it out of the park. But um, I like to just prioritize catching barrels and uh, in the outfield. I feel like I'm pretty good at, you know, observing lineups, you know, getting good shifts, playing the mental game just as hard as I play the physical game. Yeah. So when it when it comes to your you know your own personal development, you know as you you know go through your spring season, junior senior year, you know head to that next level, whether that you know is at Tennessee and Knoxville or you know have that potential to go play pro ball at high school, you know what are some of those key things that you want to put emphasis on, you know when it comes to your development on that pitching side and then again on the on the hitting side as well. Um, pitching side, you know, right now I'm trying to just get as much you know effortless velo that I can. I try to keep myself, you know, like an 85% pitcher, you know, I like to stay loose, I like to stay, you know, loose, quick, quick as fast. I, uh, you know, I like to, I'm just trying to get the velo up now, get the spin rate up, you know, just become more matured pitcher. I feel like my command has been really good lately with all four of my pitches. I've been mixing pitches well, you know, working batters really well. And then at the plate, you know, I just try to work on staying, you know, staying within myself, staying gap to gap, you know, staying the right center as much as I can. And uh, if a ball comes in, just react. My dad was teaching me just react uh, and just, you know, either hit it down the line or if you get inside of it and get some backspin on it, you can jack it out of the yard. But uh, my grandpa always says home runs are just well-struck singles. So that's all I just try to think about, you know, keep the ball on a line with backspin and good things will happen. Okay, so you mentioned your grandpa there in terms of, you know, with a home run being just a well-struck single. And when it comes to people who have been influential within your baseball career, you know, who are, you know, obviously you have Ajay, you have the Banditos coaches, some of your coaches there in your high school level as well. If you could pick, you know, maybe two to three people who have been the most influential within your baseball career, who would those couple be and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Uh, I mean, first off, I got to say my dad, you know, I fun fact, I've never had a hitting lesson with anybody else. It's been me and my dad pitching and hitting my whole life. Uh, you know, he's definitely, if anybody has, you know, cemented my skill level right now, it's been him. You know, he's gotten me to where I'm at. He was just coaching me and uh, teaching me the game as best he can. He played at Tech, so he had a little 
at Texas Tech. He had a little baseball knowledge. And uh, besides that, I'd say Ajay is definitely one of the more influential guys baseball-wise. <laughs> and uh, then after that, I'd probably say uh, probably my grandpa, just because, you know, he also had a background, played Oregon State, played outfield, always helps me out with stuff, you know, reading hitters, uh, being scrappy at the plate, being a tough out. Okay. All right. So let's kind of dig it for this last so this last part of the JKR podcast. I kind of want to dig into your recruiting process. Obviously, you're playing with a bunch of your future teammates on artillery, but let's dig into how you got there, why you chose Tennessee. Just kind of take us through that recruiting process, you know, when it got started for you and, you know, how that all went, went along to where you ended up choosing Tennessee. So, yeah, it was like 14 new summer. I had really no recruiting looks yet. I was just, you know, this young, lanky lefty that was pretty tall. And I was on the mound, and I looked, and I was walking off the mound. I looked back behind the plate, and I'm like, man, that looks like a Tennessee scout. He's in all orange. So I think that was one of the first times that Tennessee had, you know, looked at me, you know, see me as a dude with the high upside that they might want to invest in. And um, after I started getting a few looks from, you know, local Texas colleges, you know, like Texas, A&M, all those, you know, all those guys. Tennessee actually reached out during my high school season well, because that they, you know, they were interested. You know, they were they liked how I looked and that they would check back with me, you know, in a bit. No really words on offers or, you know, even – no, yeah, nothing mentioning offers or anything. And uh, fortunately enough, A&M and Tennessee came out to one of my high school games freshman year and I go up, and I had no clue they were there. I actually didn't even know that they were there. I don't think they were there for me. I They might have been there for Rummel. And I go up, and I guess I was I was pitching that game, so I go up to the mound, you know, toe the rubber, it was 86, decent outing. You know, I was let up a few runs. And beginning of the game, I wasn't hitting too well. I was like, gosh, dang it. I don't, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the dugout was already chirping me that, you know, those scouts were there, and I wasn't. I, I think I had, like, grounded out twice. So I ended up getting up to the plate, actually, and I dropped back-to-back bombs. One was to tie the game. One was to go ahead. And that was that was a pretty good moment. And after that, tennis, they both called, and they were like, that was pretty much the start of my college recruiting process as a two-way, for sure, after that game. That was when, you know, college started acknowledging me as do, being able to do both, you know. And uh, I thought that was – that was probably what kicked it off. And then after that, you know, I took it and ran. Tennessee offered me, and I accepted it really quick. I knew that was a school that was uh, best fit for me. I know, you know, the coaches there are of best interest of how I develop. And I think that those – I'm in very good hands if I if I go there with those dudes that uh, they're coaching me. Yeah. So you said after dropping those back-to-back bombs is when your whole recruiting process started as a two-way. Was there a recruiting process kind of going on – before that and if so you know what was that difference you know after hitting those two bombs and actually you know getting recruited as a two-way player instead of just a pitcher uh I had like a pretty small and in you know insignificant recruiting process as a pitcher I guess you know I mean I was invited a few camps had a few calls with you know different d1s just for as having a high upside at pitcher but uh I mean after that you know I really started you know, swinging it well all the way throughout high school season, all the way throughout summer ball and all the way throughout fall ball. So, you know, that was just really got me a lot of traction. 
having colleges know that I can, I'm athletic enough to do both. I'm a big believer in like, you know, being able to be athletic on the field translates on the mound. Being an athletic pitcher, I feel like is the best way to be or the best spot to be if you're in the recruiting process right now. Yeah. So as you were going through that process, you know, talking to A&M, talking to Tennessee, all these different <clears throat> other colleges that were reaching out as well. I mean, you mentioned that Tennessee, once they offered you, it was kind of a quick process. But, you know, what were some of those key things that you were looking for, you know, within a school, within a coaching staff? Uh, what were some of those key things you were looking for before you actually decided on Tennessee? Um, you know, key things were environment, you know, coaching, how they were going to develop me, what their reputation was how they played baseball, obviously seeing Tennessee play baseball in 2022 was, you know, unique. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before. Seeing that plays with fire. That's how I like to play. I like to play loose, you know, play with a lot of passion and, uh, you know, just being able to, you know, I like to, the, I like to keep the highs high and, you know, limit the lows as much as possible. Right. In baseball, I like to, you know, just keep, you know, keep the energy up. I loved how they brought the energy to the field. Really, that was the biggest thing. When I saw them play, I saw the energy on the field, and I was, like, immediately hooked. And then I realized, you know, Frank Anderson, the pitching coach there, has an amazing reputation. Uh, Tony Vitello and Josh Elander, I think, are amazing coaches with developing players. And, you know, getting them to the next level while also being able to have success and winning at uh, the college level. Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, like like we said, you know, tennis, that Tennessee, I guess after they offered you, you said the recruiting process kind of came to an end shortly after that you Tennessee was the school, you know, when they did offer you, was your mind already set on, you know, I need to go to Tennessee or, you know, was there some maybe, you know, a sales pitch then and there with the coaching staff, you know, when was it that it hits you? Okay. I think Tennessee is the place for me. Um, I had a feeling they were going to offer about, you know, a week before it happened. And I had been talking to my family about it. Uh, I, I I, mean, me and my dad just came to a conclusion. We were like, I mean, I can't think of any better place to play baseball right now. And even in the long run, going through with, you know, the coaches being young, uh, I knew the pitching – I heard the pitching coach would leave. You know, I they keep the coaching staff. Those dudes are really bought into that program. And uh, I just thought there wasn't another place that could offer – what Tennessee has to give with all the knowledge, resources, and, you know, everything that they got for the baseball players. Yeah. So, you know, as we roll up on, you know, it's almost been a year now that you've been committed to Tennessee. I remember when I was doing some research, it was like, what, like April or, you know, May of last year. You know, how has that relationship evolved with that coaching staff since that commitment? Obviously, the relationship had to be great already. But, you know, how, like, how has that relationship evolved over the past year? Um, It's been I mean, it's been awesome, you know, uh, just talking with Elander on the phone, you know, talking with, you know, some of the other coaches on the phone. It was awesome. I know they have a lot of, you know, trust in my development. You know, they trust that I'm going to develop as much as I can. I'm going to put as much effort as I can into this game. Um, I know for sure they've got a lot more, you know, passion about me with the bat, especially Elander. He called me you know, a month ago and was like, man, I'm extremely impressed with your bat right now. And, you know, I love, you know, the way you are on the mound, but I love it just as much as you are at the plate and on defense. So uh, they're definitely just, you know, very excited. They're still very excited. They were excited at first, but they're still, you know, very excited to see how I keep progressing throughout my, you know, high school years. Yeah. So, you know, with a great relationship already built, you know, what are you looking forward to most 
for September 1st, 2023, you know, when those regulations, when it comes to, you know, talking back and forth between the coaches, you know, finally hits, you know, what are you looking forward to most for, you know, that September 1st date? Man, I can't wait. I am. I mean, these, these recruiting restrictions are kind of ridiculous. I, uh, you know, you can't do anything with the coaches can't do anything without worried about being in the gray area with all the NCAA guidelines and all that. So, uh, you know, September 1st, I can't wait to, you know, reach out to all my coaches, really get to know them, you know, talk, talk the game with them a lot more, you know, on a day-to-day basis, stay more updated. You know, obviously I stay updated with the coaches, but, um, you know, well, obviously you can stay a lot more updated with after every game, you know, you text a coach, Hey, had a good outing, had a good day at the plate, you know, did this, you know, felt that. Uh, so that's definitely, I'm looking forward to stay a lot more in touch with them, get to know them a lot better and, uh, you know, really get a feel for how the environment is up there, you know, especially going on my visit too. That's going to be uh that's very, I'm looking forward to that a lot for sure. Going on that visit, being able to be with the guys that are, I'm already pretty familiar with all, the commits, you know, I just can't wait to spend a weekend down there with them. Mm-hmm. So obviously you say you're familiar with those commits. I mean, you have, you know, Mikey Casino, uh, Graham Jones, Ty Thompson, all these different guys on artillery, but I know there's some other guys from Texas, including like, you know, Luke Billings, a couple other guys commit to Tennessee. You know, what are some of those relationships you have with some of these Tennessee commits, you know, in that 25 class, but then even beyond that, maybe in the class of 24, class of 26, maybe some guys there already, you know, what are some of those relationships you have with some of your future teammates? Yeah, there really aren't a lot of Tennessee commits in Texas. You know, me and Luke are kind of, you know, the lone pair. And then I think there's a 20, there's a 23 committed there that I know of that I think he's up in the Woodlands, Braden Sharp. But besides that, me and Luke are the, you know, the only ones from Texas that I can, that I know of that are uh, Tennessee commits, you know, but I mean, Luke's awesome. Me and Luke, you know, homeboys, you know, we hung out a lot together at Area Code. He ended up dropping a bomb there, and I ended up having an amazing outing, and it looked just showed really well on the program, being able for us for both of us to match up against you know amazing competition, and uh, you know both being able to show out even though you know we're a little bit younger than all the other guys, both being committed to the same program, you know. Yeah. So let's dig away. I got a couple more questions here left. Let's dig away from the baseball field to end it off. Same, you know, three, four questions. I like to end it off, you know, with my rapid fire set with everybody, you know, so when it comes to you beyond the game of baseball, what are some of those passions that you have that, you know, maybe keep your, take your mind off of things. You know, I know you mentioned earlier, you have, you know, a pair of jeans, a pair of boots. Uh, So, you know, you are that country type of guy, you know, you go hunting, you go fishing. Maybe what are some of those passions you have beyond the game of baseball? Yeah. You know, on the weekends, uh, you know, I like to go out. There's a little dance hall, like, down the street that I like to go out with my friends to, you know. You bring all your friends there. You know, I mean, you know how to two-step. I doubt you do. It's pretty It's it's pretty fun. Uh, I like golfing a lot. My dad actually had a little career in golf, and uh, that's – I mean, he's a club pro right now, so I get to play free golf as much as I want. So I'd say I got some pretty good game at golf. I like to do that every weekend as well. And I said, that's an amazing way that I take, take my mind off the game. Yeah. So for golf, so does golf, when you're swinging, does that not mess up your baseball swing? I know when I was growing up, you know, my coaches were always telling me, you know, no golf during the season and telling us all that. Is that, is that some sort of myth? Like, what is that kind of like from your experience? What's that like? For me, it's a myth. You know, I, I mean, 
sometimes I even feel like when I go out and play golf and just take my mind off of it, I come back and hit better. But I've been swinging the golf club ever since I could, you know, not even walk. So, you know, I've had a golf club in my hand since very early. So I, I can feel like it's two halves of my brain, you know, my baseball swing and then I got my golf swing. And uh, I actually put a lot of effort into both. So. Okay. There we go. So, you know, digging into motivations here for a second, you know, what is it that, you know, helps you, you know, get up out of bed every morning, go just continuously evolve, continuously get better. You know, what are some of those maybe just internal motivations that you have just to continue to evolve as a ball player, but also as a person as well? Um, proving people wrong for sure has been a big motivating factor. You know, I, you know, every time I get in the cage, every time I step in, you know, the batter's box, you know, there's always a little, you know, a little fire in me from kids that, you know, they used to tell me straight up to my face, hey, do you really think you're going to hit the next level? Why are you hitting on this team? You know, kids telling me that, uh, you know, people saying that, you know, do you really think you're going to go to Division One? You know, you know how far away that is. You know how hard that is to do. I don't know if you have it. You're too skinny. You're too, you know, you're lanky. You're not tall. Like, or you're not fast. You know, you don't have the twitchiness, the athleticism. Uh, I know that for sure fuels me a lot. And, uh, you know, getting up, working as hard as I can every day. All right. So let's say you keep proving people wrong. You know, you keep using these motivations to, you know, go ball out the rest of your high school career, go ball out, you know, whether that's going to Tennessee, going pro potentially as well. Perfect picture, 20 years down the road, everything's going right for you. What does that life look like, you know, when you're, you know, what, 35, 36 years old, if you keep using these motivations just to do everything right? I mean, hopefully I'm in the big leagues, man. You know, that's the goal, you know, make it all the way uh just play base i mean my goal is just i feel like the main you know the end all be all for baseball is just to play as long as you can you know enjoy the game as long as you possibly can uh you know i take a lot of pride in keeping my body you know in shape so i can play um i always feel like you know playing the game into my late 30s and 40s is something that you know i would love to do for yeah. sure. And that's the great thing with baseball. You know, obviously in football, basketball, you occasionally have that athlete, but in baseball it happens a lot more. Uh, but no, man, I got one last question here for you to end it off. And, you know, this is uh, one question I like to ask everybody just to end it off. And that is, you know, obviously when you do head to Tennessee, you're going to get that opportunity to potentially capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. You know, I'm sure you've probably heard of it, you know, a big thing within the NCAA right now. But when you do get that opportunity, what would be that dream brand? that you would love to endorse, collaborate with, partner with, whatever happens to be, what would that dream brand be? That's a good question. Probably, um, I know there's some NIL up there for golf courses. That's awesome. Uh, Chipotle would be a good one. Um, maybe like a car company would also be a good one. You know, maybe get hooked up with a car. I don't know. That's more of a football thing right now. Uh but yeah, like I'd say a big, the best brand deal that I could think of would be like a Nike brand deal probably, or, you know, maybe like an Xbox deal. That would be cool. Okay. Xbox. And you say car, what type of car are you driving? I'm driving a 2018 Silverado right now. There we go. With you down there in Texas, I was hoping it was something like that. Oh um, yeah. I feel like Texas in the end, that might be one of the one, one very, very rare similarities when it comes to vehicles. You know, everyone around here is driving, you know, a Forge, Dodge, or Chevy. I'm assuming it's the same way down there in Texas. 
Uh, but no, man, that's that's the final question here for you on the JKR podcast. And I really appreciate you coming on the show, you know, digging into your career, digging into artillery as well. Uh, I do want to wish you the best of luck when it comes to, you know, the rest of this spring, you know, going out there and dominating in some of that Texas competition, you know, going out there summer, defending that number one ranking on that perfect game list for that artillery 2025 team. And then just the rest of your career as well, man. I mean, just best of luck with that. Best of luck that comes to everything on going to Tennessee, potentially playing pro ball as well. Um, no, man, but just, you know, going back to them, just thanks for coming on the J. Kara podcast. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. It's been a blessing.